Hello and welcome to BB On The Record, this podcast from British Bandsmen. I'm Mark Good, editor of British Bandsmen, and in this episode I hear from Foden's band's principal euphonium player, Gary Curtin. After a delay brought about by the COVID-19 pandemic, Gary is finally celebrating the launch of his solo album, Airtime, which features some stunning playing from soloist and band. Gary chats about the new release and speaks about what life has been like over the past few months, from embracing technology to welcoming a very special addition to the family. He also reflects on his musical journey to date, from being handed a baritone as a youngster in Cork to performing with the likes of Black Dyke, Fairy, Fodens, and Wingates. But first, what does it feel like to see that new solo album finally hitting the shelves? Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, to be honest, I did the first session of this almost a year ago, which is kind of bonkers when you think about it. We did the first session, I think it was the 24th of November, um, and we're now in October of the year after, which is a little bit crazy. I wanted to record a CD forever, basically, and I, whether it's laziness, time, or whatever, I don't know, but one one thing or another got in the way all the time, and um, the Foden's band won the Nationals, which meant we qualified for the European Championships. And I kind of looked at that a year and a half down the line and thought, that's the place to release a CD. So um, we kind of worked backwards from there. Uh, I built a programme. I'm pushing on a little bit. I'm nearly 40 now. Um, So I kind of thought, this could be the only CD I do. I don't know. So I thought, I'm going to throw as much as I possibly can at this. Um, So there's a bit of everything on there. There's the usual technical stuff that people expect from me. Um, There's lyrical stuff that maybe sometimes people don't often hear or expect and there's one or two other little surprises in there as well. Yes, the music on the album is extremely varied from the title track, Airtime by Andrea Price, to new commissions, new arrangements and as you say some favourites which we've heard from you down the years. How did you go about selecting the music for the album? A lot of it wasn't wasn't as difficult as you might think because there are pieces that people know me for playing um, I've often gone to solo work or to concerts and people say, oh, have you got a CD of that piece that you played? And I'm forever saying, oh, sorry, I haven't got one. I'm really sorry. And the ones that I'm known for, I guess, are Airtime and Carnival of Venus, even though Carnival of Venus is absolutely stolen from Alan Vizzuti. But yes, they're the ones I'm, I guess I'm known for playing. And so that was a starting point. Uh, when I first went to record uh, in November, um, my wife was pregnant uh, pretty heavily pregnant actually with our first child so um, I went to Paul over Cooper and said is there any chance you'd consider writing me a piece of music so he came back and said yes um, and we have a piece of music on there for a little boy called Jamie um, called From Your Smile um, as you can imagine a delicate little piece and there's at the very end there's three little motifs ending on a top C um, and that's meant to depict me putting him to sleep in his little bed so uh, yeah it's really really sweet piece of music um, then we had Dance of the Goblins and Val Flickenstans, which are similar kind of pieces. Um, Val Flickenstans I played a lot when I was at Black Dyke as well. Um, uh, Dance of the Goblins is something I, I played with a piano um, at the International Brass Band Summer School recital. And I spoke to Simon Oliver about potentially having an arrangement of that done as well, because it's a very exciting piece um, for violin. I first heard it with Itzhak Perlman performing it. Just a fantastic piece of music. So I thought... I need to get that done for uh, for Euphonium and, and Brass Band. And Simon stepped in there. You're accompanied on the album by Foden's band, of course, of which you're a member with Mike Fowles conducting. How great is it to be able to record this music with such a fine band? To tell you the absolute truth, 
I couldn't have recorded this album without such a fine band because there are there are some of the accompaniments are absolutely terrifying <laughs> for example deep surge which is a, a brand new piece of music by tom harold it's not your everyday type of um, brass band listening let's say it's it's heavy um, and that takes a lot of craft to put that together and mike is, is always on top of it you know he's he's fantastic with the band fantastic at making sure that there's space space in between intervals chords and space in the music as well then the concerto that paul mcgee arranged which is a just a brilliant piece. Easy listening, but a tough, tough piece of music to put together. So without Foden's, I, I don't think the the uh, the album would have anywhere near the um, the level of accomplishment that it has. There's such a great variety on the album. So, Gary, it's out there now. Where can people get hold of it? Well, they can they can contact me directly. My email is gcurtain at gmail very easy to contact me or they can contact me via Facebook no problem other than that they can buy the album from World of Sound uh, I believe it's going to be on iTunes and Amazon music as well which is pretty far-reaching which is fantastic <laughs> and I'm sure people will be itching to get hold of the album particularly when they haven't had much of a live banding fix of late what about you what has life been like for you over the past few months Gary clearly it's not how you would have expected to spend 2020 Absolutely not. I mean, initially, I did think having a little break was nice because it is, it is nice to try and reset a little bit, isn't it? I mean, I've spent so many years playing really hard, you know, every, practicing every day and as much as I possibly can. So the little respite initially was nice, but now it's a feeling of, will we ever get back to that? And I know that sounds kind of end of world disaster kind of thing, but um, it, it feels like so long since I've had an outlet for my music if you know what I mean. And it's it's a challenge. It's a challenge for everyone. And I, I hope that banding remains what banding was when we get back to it, because I wouldn't be surprised if there's some people who think this free time is quite nice. I'm I'm going to I'm going to take advantage, which would be a massive shame for our movement. But in the meantime, I've I've found other things. I, I've started to do a little bit of cycling, um, which I've enjoyed. And let's be honest, I, I could I could do with exercising. <laughs> so uh, it's, uh, it's it's no bad thing to pick up uh, to pick up some some exercise but yeah it's a challenging time now that said we just had a little boy in december um and my wife was on maternity leave and then i was off of course because uh, i teach in schools schools were closed uh, we weren't allowed in so um i basically had a lovely number of months getting to know my little boy i miss i saw all of his firsts which otherwise i probably wouldn't so in many ways, while lockdown has been horrible for many reasons, it's been an absolute gift for me as well. Your band, Foden's, would have been expecting to take part in the major contests, of course, and those haven't happened. But the band has remained pretty active over the past few months. There have been some really interesting online and digital projects there. What have you made of how the band has transitioned in that way? Um, I think it's it's refreshing, to be perfectly honest. We didn't really just down tools and say that's it. Um, we thought there's got to be there's got to be some way to well one keep us interested, but two our listeners, uh, and not just Foden's listeners, but international listeners too. You know, I mean, we all lost this thing that's a huge part of our lives. Um, and Foden's isn't a band that sits on uh, on their laurels. They don't they don't rock back on their laurels. They, they they're forever looking for. The, the next thing the new thing or is there a way that we can be a leading light in something so we did some online videos you, you'll see that there's the um solo competition which is coming up very soon many many different ideas and projects um 
so it's 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 been a privilege to be part of all of these, and we've we've got to thank Richard Poole for his uh, his fantastic um, editing skills. He's he's become a little bit of a whiz at it by now, I think. How important do you think that sort of work has been? We've seen it at Fodens. We've also seen, of course, the efforts from the likes of Corey and Brassband Villebrook. If you look a little bit further afield, to keep people motivated and engaging with their music making at a time when traditional banding just hasn't been possible. I think it's been absolutely incredibly important. You imagine that our movement has a following of, obviously we know a lot of young people, but certainly lots of older people too. And I think having an outlet like this to be able to see live music or to witness live music and hear the bands that they love to hear is a, is a gift. I mean, if we didn't have this technology, it would be shut down and we're done. You know, we've been incredibly lucky. I think a lot of us have learned to become more proficient on our computers and Zoom and all of these things. Um, but yeah, I think it's been fantastic. Corey have done brilliant stuff as well. I know Foden's have. We put on that Whit Friday day, which was, to be honest, right, I, I, I should be brutally honest here. I don't sit down and listen to brass bands all the time. I listen to lots of variations of music. I do listen to brass band music, but not all the time. It came to the Whit Friday and I thought, I'll sit down and probably maybe watch an hour. And we were there still half past 12 that night and it was fantastic it was such a good day and corey have had their international competition um as well you know it's it's really brilliant to see and i'm glad people have done it i'm glad people have given um other brass banders something to to still latch on to it has been really inspiring to see the creativity of so many musicians and as you say the way they've embraced technology to collaborate with other performers and to get their music out there and most importantly to make people smile and that brings us on to your piece of the podcast today so tell me about your choice ah right <laughs> so you asked me about this beforehand didn't you and um I thought, what, what could I come up with? What could I come up with here? And there's been a little bit of something, in, a little cheesy, that's been my go-to thing for a little while now. There's a very uh, talented man called Louis Dowdswell. Anyone who goes to Butlins, I guess, will know this guy. He's performed there quite a few times now. He's a trumpet player that started to become quite famous on YouTube. He was mimicking Wayne Bergeron, who's an incredibly well-known screamer. Any the movies like The Incredibles or whatever, Wayne Bergeron is, is the lead trumpet on this. And uh, Louis Dowdswell began to copy him and um, they now have a fantastic friendship and Louis adapts for him and everything. But Louis in his own right is an incredible player. And he has, I don't know if it's him or whoever, but their video editing skills are like 25 out of 10. It's amazing what they can do. So this track is um, called Into the Unknown. It's from Frozen. Yes, forgive me. It's from Frozen, but it, the arrangement is fantastic there's such a happy driving feel to this piece of music and the musicians playing on there are top of the world it's really really great
That really is so much fun, the sound of Louis Dowdswell and his big band performing music by Robert Lopez from Frozen 2. That was Into the Unknown. It was all recorded remotely, and if you haven't seen it yet, do go on to YouTube and take a look. It's absolutely spectacular. And you can find out more about Louis at his website, louisdowdswell.com. That music was the piece of the podcast as chosen by my guest today, Gary Curtin. Gary, let's rewind the clock a little bit now. You'll be a familiar face to so many because of your outstanding performances down the years. But you were born in Cork in Ireland, so where did that initial experience with the euphonium come from? It, it was very different back in the day. So over here, you can have lessons through the day on your on your brass instruments and guitars and so on and so forth. We didn't have that, certainly in the school I was in. Lessons were after school or before school or whatever. Um, but we happened to have a teacher who was a little musical, so she decided to teach us the Irish whistle. It kind of looks like a recorder, but it's made of uh, tin. She must have written in my school report or something that I, I had taken to it, you know. I'd obviously got some kind of musical awareness or whatever. And uh, my dad got hold of this report and thought, oh, OK, well, let's let's do something about this then. And down the road, there was a boy, a boy called Nig- Nigel Carney. And he was in the local brass band called the Mayfield Brass Band. Now, <laughs> the first time I went to the Mayfield Brass Band, I still remember this. I've got a terrible memory, but I remember this. Um, I went to the band room and there was a huge metal door um, where all the instruments were stored and there was a little old man with his back to us and uh, the guy who brought me in said Dan we have a we have a new lad here and he, and he didn't even turn around just said start him on baritone so that's why I started on the baritone um, and I played the baritone for quite quite a few years um, and in 1996 I, I, I got to the senior band by this this point and the two euphonium players Derek and Cordelia they they'd gotten together they got married and they decided to leave the band um, and literally the band came to me and said, give us that. That's what you play now. And they handed me a euphonium and I was the euphonium player. So <laughs> that's why I played the euphonium. Uh, and I, to be fair, I fell in love with it. You know, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I did ask my dad um, about two, three years ago. I said, did you did you ever need to ask me to practice? And he said, no, he said, I would always ask you if you had when I came home from work. But he said, pretty much every time you'd already played your instrument, that was quite clearly my interest. So, yeah, um, I progressed on from there. Um, I decided that I, w- I wanted to take it a bit more seriously. So I went to the Cork School of Music on uh, at degree level. Uh, and then I stayed there for another two years to do a master's. Um, and then I decided to have some lessons in the UK um from i had came over and had a lesson with bob childs and i had a lesson with david thornton and i felt my standard instantly jump and it was it was a bit of a a drug to me i guess and on both visits bob took me to see corey and dave took me to see dyke and it was just mind-blowing i'd never seen bands like this live before you know fast forward i basically came back and told my mom that i was leaving i was going to england i contacted dave thornton and he said look You've missed the entry dates now. You can't. You can't really come in. But he said, "Look, let me have a chat to Jim, Jim's Gorley and Stephen Mead." In the meantime, I recorded two pieces. They said, "Fine, let him send them." I sent the pieces over, and they let me in. So I moved, and I did one year at college, and I've never gone back. It's kind of the, kind of the end of it, really. Just touching on your experiences at the Cork School of Music briefly, am I right in thinking that you were the first euphonium player there to study at degree level? Was that pushing the boundaries a bit at that time? I guess it was. I mean, 
It's, I'll tell you what, it's gotten better. Brass band, banding has, has improved, uh, and I don't mean standard-wise, I mean the amount of people into the brass band scene in Ireland has, has, has grown a lot, which is fantastic. But for me to be a euphonium player, to go to the Cork School of Music, essentially a classical college, yeah, I was the first to study euphonium there, but the brilliant thing is there have now been two more after me, which is, which is really nice. So maybe it's I've kind of opened the door a little bit for, for brass band instruments to be allowed to study there. And then you made the move over to England to push on to the next level. How did your banding career develop from that point? I arrived in 2005 and it was 2006, early 2006, that I did an audition for the Wingates Brass Band. Bearing in mind I'd just arrived, I didn't know anyone. Um, there was a, a rather large man sitting behind me during the audition. I thought, who the heck is this guy? And um, I found out later it was Dr. Roy Newsom. And even though I was honestly green as they come, I did not sound like an English euphonium player at all. Vibrato, what's that? Um, and uh, I believe Roy said to the band, look, get him in. He's raw. He's He'll be fine. He'll be okay. I owe him a lot, to be honest, because he gave me my first kind of step up in the brass band world. And uh, the funny thing is, about about a month or two later, Roy came to a rehearsal, and uh, again, I played in mostly wind bands and and brass and like lower end brass bands. And uh, I came to band, and there was this piece of music on my stand. It was yellowy looking, residuum, residuum. What's that? Um, and Roy said, "Have you have you heard this before?" Oh, no, I don't know it. He put his bat on down so slowly and then proceeded to uh, tear a few strips from me. <laughs> but uh, annoyingly, it's now my favourite piece. Uh, Resurgum is an incredible piece of music. Um, yeah, it's my favourite now. After that, I did like three and a half years at, at, at Wingates where I really was allowed to cut my teeth, I've got to say. And funny enough, at the time, Peter Moore was sitting behind me, dangling legs, playing amazingly at the age of 11 and 12, which is kind of crazy. And Matthew White was in the band as well, which is brilliant. Um, but yeah, after three and a half years, I went to Fairies. I was at Fairies for a year, and then the call came from uh, Nick Childs to to join Black Dyke on Principal Euphonium. And of course, I couldn't I couldn't turn an opportunity like that down. Um, and I did seven brilliant years at, at Black Dyke. And after that, I decided to slow life down a little bit. As I mentioned earlier, that um, we've got a little boy now. If I was still at Black Dyke, I'd never see him, just because of the travel involved and so on and so forth. Um, so, yeah, I decided to slow things down. A position came up at, at Foden's, which is it's a whole seven minutes from my house. So I couldn't, I couldn't not take it. You know, it would have been foolish not to take it. Because if a position gets taken in a band like Foden's, it doesn't become relinquished for a long time. If you look at the people who've been there for a while, some of the members have been there for 20, well, Mark Wilkinson has been there for, is it 27 years? John Barber has been there for over 20. Richard Poole is like 20. So uh, people don't tend to move on very quickly from, from Foden's. So you've performed with several outstanding bands over these past few years. Looking back to your spell with Black Dyke, you were there for around seven years or so, as you say, so many contesting successes. How do you look back on that period with the band? With absolute admiration and and fondness. That band that we had, was it 2000 and, certainly 2014, I think it was, where we, we near on won everything, if I remember. Not only were, was the band a young band, but it was a fearless band. It seemed that nothing kind of, kind of tripped us up. We were just a confident band. And it wasn't arrogance. We were all really good friends. Everybody got on. Because you're in a band like that who works away a lot, you're on the coach all the time, you know, you go out together in, of an evening if you're staying in a hotel and so on. So we were a really close-knit group. 
and we all supported each other massively. So, uh, yeah, we had some amazing contest performances. One was uh, the Alexander Komatas Vitae Turner Variations at the Europeans. Honestly, I can, I can remember playing the last page and thinking, oh my God, we, we could have done this. We could have done this. This is, bearing in mind, the last page for Euphonium is an absolute nightmare. It's, an, it's a kick in the face. Um, and I was thinking, we could have done this. We could have done this. This was a, an amazing performance. And there's been others, Triumph of Time, uh, Metropolis, 1927. There's been lots of them. Um, Lots of brilliant performances from, from a band full of fantastic players. Then it was on to The Pastures New and another wonderful band in Foden's. Um, thankfully a little bit less travelling for you, but did it take you much time to adjust or did you settle there pretty quickly? There is always an adjustment period, isn't there? You go from one way of doing things to an absolutely different way of doing things. Foden's is, is run by the players uh, and we have a players committee and so on and so forth, but it, it does feel a little bit different. The difference is, I guess, that I, what I like about Foden's is that we're doing so many different things, huge different projects. Like we do the big band stuff. I love I love jazz music, I love big band music. So to, to get to do that with someone like Matt Ford or with someone like Mike Lovett, it's amazing. To get to play with to play with these guys, to back these guys is fantastic. We have a, a great jazz arranger in John Barber and a jazz player as well, fantastic uh, player. We have um, Jonathan Bates, who's again a fantastic composer. I know Ian McKnight does some arrangements and, and other people too. We're, we're very lucky to have a broad spectrum of, of projects, people and uh, exposure in that band, you know. So yeah, things were a little different, um, but uh, you soon settle. I think once you get used to playing in many different circumstances, whether it be orchestral, band, ensembles, uh, trios, quartets, you can you can adjust pretty quickly. I think it's the diversity of some of the projects undertaken by Foden's that often stands out. Really fascinating, including as you say those concerts with Matt Ford. Just how much does the band enjoy every opportunity that comes round with him? Oh, incredibly. He's a he's a, an amazing talent and an incredibly nice bloke. So he, we're obviously backing him on the concert, but backstage he's he's just one of the lads. He's a very very nice chap and an amazing singer, <laughs> a really really good singer. And I tell you what, one of the things that I love most about him is his stagecraft, how he holds an audience. He's great with kind of the jokes and 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 keeping people interested and. You know, it's it's it, he is really really fantastic, and of course Mike Lovett as well. I mean, you can't you can't not like Mike. We did a recording with Mike. It was in the summer, I remember. It was a really hot day. We were in North Manchester somewhere, and he spent the whole day just playing full on. And you just stand back and think, how 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 do you have the lips and the power to do this? But again, another very very nice nice character as well to to spend time and work with. You know, the band looks hugely forward to these concerts and projects. So Gary, there's continued uncertainty as this pandemic goes on and we know from a banding perspective that the regionals are off in 2021. How are things shaping up for you over the coming months? Clearly you've got your hands full at home. Um, is it just a case of getting on with it, working away, keeping your head down until life's in a place where some of these other activities can return? Look, at the end of the day, nothing else is more important than being healthy right now trying to not catch a virus. I'm an asthmatic. I, I, could, I could catch it and have quite bad effects, you know. Uh, and even if I didn't catch it terribly, it can still, we talk about this long COVID now, it could still affect my playing. So I'm trying my best to, to be sensible, to not go out as often as I might have, you know, to keep my hands sanitised. I mean, I'm still doing a little bit of work in schools. So I'm trying to be clever about, about everything that's going on. 
yeah, I miss performing, but I'll get back to that. I will get to it again. At the moment, staying healthy is the most important thing. And spending time with my, my little boy as well, which is becoming more and more tiring. <laughs> but uh, but he's great fun, you know, it's fantastic. And I do nip away now and again and play my instrument for an hour, an hour or, or two. Not as often as I used to, but like everybody else, like people have spoken to me and said, oh, it's nice to hear that you're even finding it hard to practice. I've got no outlet though, you know, and... And it's okay to not practice for a little bit. It's absolutely fine. Once you don't leave it so long that you forget which end to blow in, you know, I think I think we're all going to be okay. I'd love I'd love to get some recordings of first rehearsal back first rehearsals back, mind. I, I should imagine they'll be pretty hilarious. But yeah, it it's okay. Uh, I don't mind. Um, as I said, I'm doing a little bit of cycling, still doing some playing, still doing a little bit of teaching, um, and I get to spend time with my boy. So I look forward to getting back to band because I really, I do miss it. I do miss performing and I do miss playing. That's it for this episode of BB On The Record. Thank you to Gary Curtin and thanks to you for listening. Look out for a review of Gary's new album, Airtime, appearing in British Bandsmen very soon. Keep an eye out for Gary performing a fantastic recital in BrassPass.tv's In The Spotlight series. Log on to BrassPass.tv for more. Meanwhile, you can enjoy a digital subscription to British Bandsmen. It costs just £42.99 for one year. Go to BritishBandsmen.com and click on subscribe. As for this podcast, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. Join me next time on BB On The Record. Bye for now.